0: Well, praise the Lord. we got a full house this morning. If you would stand with me, let's open with prayer. If you don't have anything else to pray for, pray for me. I'm nervous this morning, nervous, nervous. Lord, we ask you to come into this place. Meet us here this morning. Lord, we want to fill your presence here. Lord, touch me and anoint me. Help me to speak your words with truth and with power. Lord, help us to learn something here, God, that will change us forever. Lord, let us bury your word in our hearts that we would not sin against you. And we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity again to come into your house, to worship you, to lift up your name, and to magnify you, Lord. In all things that we do, Lord, we give you the highest honor and the highest glory, Lord. For you alone are worthy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I know it's Sunday morning, but I hope that uh, we can have a little bit of church here. Y'all with me on that one? No? All right, so I'm going to read my text from the book of Daniel, chapter 3, starting in verse 14. Very, very familiar passage of scripture. Um, Even my kids have learned this in Sunday school, and they're still in the toddler class, so Everyone here should know the story. Um, Daniel chapter 3, starting in verse 14. It says, Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do, ye not, do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if you be ready, that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, but if you worship not, you shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said unto the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then when Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury and The form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heat. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in the army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning fiery furnace. And these men were bound in their coats, their hose, and in their hats, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent, and the furnace was exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished, was, yeah, was astonished, and rose up, in haste and spake and said unto his counsellors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. And he answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is, is like the son of God. If you would, um, you can be seated now. If you would give this um, lesson or sermon or message, whatever you want to call it, a title. I would call it Through the Fire. It's very original, I know. Um, if you've been in Pentecost any length of time, you have probably heard a message with the same title. Um, I know in doing my research and studying this week, if you just type in the words Through the Fire on uh, on Google, you get probably 100,000 million sermons, right? It's very popular, right? Everybody knows this story. Everybody has um, heard a sermon on this story or a lesson or what have you. But I'm going to touch it again for you today. Um, I, every time I look at a subject in the Bible, no matter if I have heard it a million times, every time I look at it, I learn something new. So I hope that something comes out to you today, um, that you learn something or you see something in a different light that changes you. Um, Because that's why we're here. We're here to learn about the word of God. We're here to learn about God and we're here to learn how it affects us, how we view it and how that changes the way we behave. Right. Um, Because ultimately, everything that we do here is about our relationship with God. So my first question for you this morning, I, I, I like to take surveys right whenever I teach lessons, whether it's Wednesday night or Sunday morning. My first survey is to ask you a question. What is fire? Um, So if you look it up in the dictionary, it says fire is a product of burning. And if you look up burning, it's to affect something with fire, right? So it's kind of like one of those looped definitions, right? So if you had to describe fire to somebody who had never seen it and you could not show it to them, how would you describe it? Can you? Now, I've cheated because I spent like two hours on this yesterday, just this question. So um, I'll tell you my answer at the end. Does anybody have a good one? No? (laughs) Waves of heat. Yeah. Oxygen, heat, and fuel. Anybody else? Got it. The thing you got burnt from. So I worked on this for a little while. So fire is the product of heat and light given off by the alteration or destruction of something through burning, right? So very scientific. I'm a nerd, okay? So just bear with me here. Um, I'm, I'm very into science, always have been, so that's my definition. It's the product of heat and light given off by the alteration or destruction of something through burning. So the second question I have is what does fire do? And I have the answers. I'm not going to make you answer this time. So the first thing it does is it produces energy, right? It provides energy. Um, It comes out in heat and light. We've already discussed this. Everybody knows this. When you see fire, it's bright and it's warm, right? That's, That's what we have fire for, right? It produces energy. Now, The book of Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now, here's something a lot of people don't think about. How do you have light if you don't have fire? Do we produce electricity? Does the Bible talk about God being like electricity? No. He provides us with fire, right? And sometimes it's the fire of God, right? The power of God. And sometimes it's the fire of our situation, right? Sometimes we're in a situation and it seems like flames are surrounding us, right? Where do you think light comes from? It comes from fire, right? So sometimes when we're in a situation, we need to be mindful that it's not always about the things that are burning up around us. Sometimes it's about being a reflection of that light to other people. It also provides power. Sometimes if you can't see it um, in the form of light, heat is actually power, right? We use it for power. If you drove here this morning in a conventional vehicle, you used fire to get here. You rode on a series of explosions that pushed your car here. Nobody really likes to think about that too hard, but that's what happened, right? Um, you, you provide gasoline, which is fuel, and then it burns in the tank and it uses heat that expands the air and it pushes pieces in your engine, right, that eventually make your tires roll and get you here, right? It's very carefully controlled. We're very careful about how we use it, but that's how we, we, we use it every day, right? On your way to work, you use it. It's probably what's powering these lights right here through some form or another. Eventually, there was fire involved, most likely. Right? So we use it to provide power. The second thing fire does is it alters things. Um, If you take a piece of wood and you catch it on fire, it's not going to be the same. Right? Some of it is destroyed and some of it is altered. You're left with that little black log in your fireplace after you burn a piece of wood. Um, It's been altered, right? It is not the same anymore. It has been fundamentally changed. Um, Also, if you take a piece of metal and you put it in fire, right, it gets very, very hot. It will get hot enough to melt. It will get hot enough to vaporize if the fire is hot enough, but it alters the metal. Um, How many of you are familiar with... um, tempering metal. Anybody? How many people here um, have heard of, been involved with any hardening of steel, tempering, welding? Welding does it? Any any of that, okay? It changes the metal, right? If you, you take a piece of stainless steel, right, and it's blue, it has different properties than a white piece of stainless steel. And there's a reason for that, right? The, the, the color marks a fundamental change. So if you take a piece of metal, sorry, I'm going to get nerdy on you again. You take a piece of metal and you put it in heat um, like a blacksmith did way, way back in the times of Jesus, right? If he put it in fire and he waited until it got red hot and then he dumped it in water and then to cool it off and then he takes it back out again, it's changed, It's no longer a normal piece of iron or steel. It is now hard. Now, there's a problem there is because now that it's hard, if he hits it with his hammer right off the bat, what's going to happen? It's going to break. It's brittle. It's hard, but it's brittle. It can fracture very easily. Now, if he takes it again and he puts it in the fire once more, and then he cools it off again, sometimes in a different way, they'll put it in oil or water, or they'll just let it cool in the air. Um, it changes it again. It's a process. It's called normalizing, right? Um, you, you change the speed at which it cools off, and you, you take what is very hard and very brittle, and eventually, if you do this enough times and you do it in the right way, you get a piece of metal that is what we call elastic, right? It means that it will bend just a little. It'll bend, and then it will ret- return to its original shape. And that's what you want. That is a piece of metal that is hard. It's durable. It flexes, but it doesn't break. And it always returns to its original position. So that's what we use in, in my former department. I just transferred out of the maintenance department. And we used to use metal like this all the time. If we had a shaft on a machine that was under a huge load, we'd go buy the most expensive type of metal that we could to make a a shaft out of, not just because it was expensive, but because that's what it took to get it just right. You have a two or three inch shaft that weighs 500 pounds supporting a motor that just sticks out of a machine and you, they put enormous torque power on these shafts and it twists and we were having problems with it breaking because of the stress of it twisting and the weight of the motor and the weight of the stuff on the other side, it would snap. And we had this problem three, four times. And finally, we went and we upgraded the type of material that we were using. So whenever it would twist and the motor would get in a bind, it would have enough elasticity to bend just a little bit. And the motor says, oh, no, this is too heavy. And it trips off and it it stops putting pressure on that shaft for it to return to its original shape. And then we could fix the problem and then turn the machine back on and it would work instead of having the shaft break every time, right? So sometimes we go through situations in our life. Things get hot, and then they cool off, and then they get hot again, and they cool off, and then they get hot again, right? So we all know that we all have trials and tribulations in our life. What we don't realize is that sometimes God puts us in these situations to change our state. We might be brittle at one point, We might be very hard or very soft at one point, but eventually we get to the point of perfect elasticity so that whenever stress comes and it starts twisting us up and we have pressure coming on us from all sides, that instead of snapping and breaking, that we can bend just a little bit, turn to God for help. He can fix our situation and we can return back to our original state. Does anybody here understand what I'm saying this morning? So God changes the way that we are inside of our spirits, right? To shape us and to form us into the, the perfect tool that he needs. And the third thing that fire does is it destroys. And that's one thing we all know. Fire is used to destroy, and sometimes it's used for other things, and it accidentally destroys things in our, in our world, um, Just the other day, I drove past a house in my neighborhood, and there was probably, I don't know, four or five fire trucks, police cars, ambulance, all kinds of stuff right there, and I could see the smoke drifting out onto the road. I couldn't see fire, but I saw smoke, so I knew fire trucks, smoke, ambulance, there's a fire inside their house. To this day, I don't know what happened, um, but I'm assuming that they had a kitchen fire or, or an electrical fire or whatever it was, and... Over the course of the next couple of weeks, I saw work trucks pull up with lumber and building materials and whatever working inside their house. So fire does destroy, right? If you have a fire in your kitchen and it burns up your whole wall, guess what? You're going to have to take down that whole wall, rebuild the whole thing, right? Fire destroys. It's very dangerous. Um, but sometimes we want it to destroy, Um Anybody ever heard of a cool fire? No? So they use cool fires. They used to use it a lot more than they do now. Um, In a place that's overgrown, um, like a very, very thick forest, lots of underbrush, um, they'll use a cool fire. They'll start a small one, and they'll control how hot it gets. So it doesn't burn the trees, but it eats up all the underbrush, right? Right? And many times they do this periodically so that enough underbrush doesn't accumulate so that if there is a fire, it burns the whole forest down. Um, And they also use these on farms, things like that. They burn burn a field to return all the nutrients back to the soil. But sometimes we have hot fires. Um, A cool fire gets out of control or an accident happens, and the fire can actually get hot enough to destroy uh, elements in the soil. Right, uh, it can change the soil fundamentally to where nothing will grow. I remember as a kid. I'm sorry, give me one sec. I remember as a kid, um, we went over to Jordan Sharp's house, me and my brother, and we were adventurous. Um, I remember we had to have been, I don't know, twelve, thirteen, something like that, in that in that little age range right there where. You're old enough to go outside and your parents don't pay attention to you. And young enough to where you can't leave and you're not smart enough to not do dumb things. So I, I say that, but uh, I do dumb things all the time. And uh, So we were outside and we decided amongst ourselves that uh, we were big enough and smart enough. We we're going to make a campfire. We thought we were so cool. We gathered up a bunch of dry leaves. They had a bunch of property out there. So we we went far enough from the house to where nobody would see us. And we gathered up a bunch of dry leaves and we were trying to start a fire. We didn't have a lighter. We didn't have matches. We just sat there and we had a stick and we were rubbing it on a log, trying to catch a little sawdust on fire. And then we put a leaf on there. And then, you know, we finally had this little smoldering flame. It took us like, I don't know, two hours. We were out there forever. And... I started walking back towards their house to get a drink of water. And you have to, you have to understand, this is before Jude Sharp was in church. Or, or it, was, it, it was either before or right when he got in church. So he was a different person. I will tell you that. He was a very different person. And if you don't know him, he's enormous. Um, and he's very scary if he looks at you with that look. So needless to say, as an 11-year-old boy, I was terrified of him. Um, We went over there all the time, and it was always, Jordan's dad is sleeping, you better be quiet. And instantly, the volume in the house lowered to zero, right? It was, go outside or don't make a noise. So we were, I was going back, and I saw him outside, and I didn't know what he was doing, but he was walking towards the fire. So immediately alarms go off on my head, in my head, boop, 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 you know, and I take off front and back. Your dad's coming! Your dad's coming! Your dad's coming! Right? So we throw rocks on top of it and we shovel dirt on there, and and I'm sure it was a comical scene. All three of us boys standing in front of it and smoke coming up behind us, you know, and and he just looked at us for a second, and we were all terrified. And he had a very brother Jude is a very um I don't I don't know the word for it. He can hide his emotions very well. He has the same face all the time. And he looked at us. <laughs> I can't do it now without laughing, but he didn't no no twitch of a smile, no twinkle in his eye, no nothing, just looking at us. And then he said, "If you're going to make a fire, do it right." And so he brought us over there, and we set up stones, and we, and he taught us how to build a fire in a safe way, right? And uh, to this day, that's how I know how to build a fire. That and, you know, common sense, which I didn't have back then. But he taught us how to, how to build a fire safely, how to put the, the rocks around to keep the fire from spreading, how to clear the ground so that leaves don't catch, and make sure that, that, the, that the tree limbs above you are you know, aren't close enough to catch fire whenever whenever the heat rises, right? And and he was, it, it was one of the, the most surprising moments in my life because I expected, you know, I'm grounded for life. We're all dead. We're, he's going to kill us all. And after I get home, my parents are going to kill me again. And I don't even know that he ever told Sister Lori or told our parents. I don't think it ever went beyond us, you know, Him just taking us aside for a moment and teaching us how to prepare an area for a fire, right? How to take that fire and use it for things in a safe way and in a way that's not going to hurt anybody or anything around us. And that's very important for us spiritually, right? Because sometimes we know we're going to have a fire in our lives. Sometimes we need a fire in our lives to do things, to have light to shine to other people. But we need to make sure that we are prepared spiritually to have a fire in our lives so that we don't hurt anybody around us, so that everything other than what is supposed to burn, burns. And sometimes we need to burn things out of our lives because fire refines us. Zechariah chapter 13 and verse 9 says, And I will bring the third part through the fire, and will refine them as silver is refined, and try them as gold is tried. And they shall call on my name and I will hear them and I will say it is my people and they shall say the Lord is my God. God uses fire to refine us. Sometimes fire is important for us. What fire does is it it helps you reach a certain point. Temperature wise, if we're speaking literally and spiritual wise, figuratively. And if you know what it is that you're trying to do, you can control that fire to help you reach that point precisely. They use fire to um, smelt what they call iron ore, right? You don't just find a big piece of iron in the ground unless somebody else put it there before you. It is not naturally found as what we know as iron. It's a big rock or small rocks, right? And it has a lot of iron ore in it. And it comes in many different forms and many different colors and shapes, but it's still unrefined. It's useless. It's a rock. So they take that and they heat it. They, 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 they actually crush it. They break it into pieces, which is a whole other sermon that we can go into later. So it's broken and then it's mixed with charcoal and then it's heated. Charcoal helps grab the impurities, Right. Um, and take it out of the iron. But the most important thing is the temperature that you bring it to. Because at at a certain point, the iron is going to melt. right? And it's going to melt, and it's going to be ready to be reformed and reshaped. But before that, everything else is either going to melt or break off or fall off, and then you'll have a piece left that doesn't melt after the iron does. Right? Because there's all kinds of things mixed in. So the important thing to know is when is the iron going to melt. And I can't tell you when that is. I have no idea. I don't know how hot it has to be. But I know it has to be really hot. So some things are going to burn off. Some things are going to melt off. And then at a certain point, iron will melt. And you have to know when that is so you can put it in a different place. Otherwise, it's just going to fall in with all the stuff that you've already melted off. So you put it in a form. And you let it melt off and you take the rest that hasn't melted, you throw that away. And then you have what's called uh, crude iron or or pig iron is what they call it. So this is the rawest form of iron that there is, but that's how they do it. It's called smelting. Everybody knows, has heard that word, I hope. So it, it it's smelting iron and and it doesn't seem like it's that complicated. You just take it to this temperature and you put it in here and that's it. But it's a lot harder to do than than it is to say. I can't do it. I can't control the temperature of a metal just right to get it to where I want it to go. It, it takes machines and years of experience and training to do that. And I'm not, I can't go do that in my backyard. I'm not capable. But God does it with us all the time. He takes us into a hot situation and he puts us in the fire and then things burn out of our lives, things melt out of our lives, then all of a sudden he swings us over here and then we're reshaped and remade and reformed. And that's a very crucial and important part of our life. But if you leave the iron in there and it gets too hot, it's trash. It's gone. It's done. It's destroyed forever. You might as well break it up and start all over again. Isaiah Chapter 43 and verse 2 says, When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. So you have to remember that God is in control. Um, He will take you into the fire, but remember that you won't be burned. You won't be destroyed. So I have have an illustration that I want to do, and I need somebody who's very brave. You help me out, Tyler? You don't have to climb up here. I'll go down there to you. All right. Come up here real quick. Just by the altar right there. So, you're full of faith, right? You sure? I'm sure. Are you sure? You're pretty sure? Okay. You trust me? (laughs) He guesses. That hurts a little bit, bud. Okay, so I have something in my pocket. You wanna guess what it is? No, you don't wanna guess? It's lighter. Yeah. Um, so you ever put out a candle with your fingers? Yeah, it's easy, right? It's, it makes you feel cool. You still trust me? You have faith? Not in me, in God. Do you have faith in God? Yeah, okay. Better answer. (laughs) Okay, so this is not a regular lighter. Yeah, this is a butane lighter. So it's very hot. It works. Um, It's not like a candle. You can't put it out with your fingers. You want to guess how hot it burns? Does anybody know how hot butane burns? Anybody want to take a guess? 1,800 degrees. Close. A butane torch can burn up to 2,610 degrees. You still trust me? (laughs) Um, So, you still have faith in God? You do? Okay. Um, I'm not actually going to use this. I have something down here. This is a butane torch. Um, It burns at the same degrees... But it's twice as big. You still trust me? <laughs> On the edge there? Okay. Um, here, come wheel in a circle here so everybody can see you. They're going to need to see your face for this. It's going to be good. Um. So, you still have faith in God? You sure? Okay. You hold your hand out for me? No out, out, out flat, like that, yeah, and you turn and look that way for me, you still trust me? you have faith in God, yeah, you heard what I was preaching about, right, going through the fire, not getting burned, <laughs> not literally, are you gonna look? <laughs> No, I don't want you to look. I want you to look that way and hold your hand out. You sure? You trust me? I'm going to touch you with this torch. Is that okay? You hear it? You sure? Did it burn you? Good. Okay, you can sit down. I'm done messing with you. So, that was kind of silly. But oftentimes, we go through life, and we sit down, and we're facing a situation. He was facing a situation that he did not ask to be in. He didn't volunteer for that. He was voluntold. He was put in that situation by me. Um, he didn't know that this was going to happen before church. I didn't talk to him. I just picked him out because I like picking on Tyler, and he's my buddy. And I was hoping that he would say that he would trust me. Which he sort of did, sort of. So, we find ourselves in situations like that all the time. We get thrown into a situation that uh, we have no control over. We're just put there, right? We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what the purpose of it is. We're just there. And we go through a situation like that, and we see the flame, we learn about the flame. It's very hot. It's going to burn. It will a flame that hot will actually vaporize biological material, right? If you burn your hand, it will actually burn your hand off. It's it's no joke. Of course, a flame that small it's not actually going to do it, but a flame that hot will it it will burn you very badly. And I'm sure Tyler knew that I wasn't actually going to you know, burn him with the fire, or at least he was hoping. And uh, we get through the whole thing, right? And it, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal at the end. But we go through situations in our lives, and we get so in our heads and so worried about things. How is this going to happen? What are we going to do with this? What about this? What about that? What about this? What about that? What about my job? What about our money? What about these bills? What about our kids? What about school? And we drive ourselves nuts. But you have to realize that we're not the person. We didn't put ourselves in these situations. God did. God came along and he put you in this situation. And guess what? He's the one controlling the fire. Right. We we don't. I'm not nobody's out there holding your paycheck hostage and saying, I'm only going to give you this much. And then, you know, I'm going to pop the tires in your car and I'm going to up your taxes this year and uh, and so on and so forth. You know, there's no uh, overlord of your life that is tinkering with things other than God. Right. God is in control. He's the one controlling the flame. And the whole while he's coming behind us asking, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Do you trust me? And so many times we don't realize. We say, well, um, actually, I'm looking at that flame right there, and it's pretty hot, and I'm not so sure that I'm going to let you put my hand in there. And we don't realize the whole time that he's the one controlling the flame, right? He's not going to burn our hands. He's not going to catch us on fire, right? God is the one in control of our situation and i am closing very quickly we still have plenty of time left but i was wondering if this morning i know i know it's 10:30 1030, 10:35 on a sunday morning and normally you have somebody up here who's a biblical scholar and while i have read the bible and i like to think that i can teach people things i am not a scholar But if you would stand with me this morning, I want to take a moment, just a moment, to contemplate what we have discussed this morning, because all of you in here were a part of it too. I asked you questions, you gave answers, and I want you to think about all the questions that I asked today. What is fire? What's the fire in your life this morning? Do you have a situation that's getting out of control? Do you have worries and problems that you don't seem to find a solution for? How would you describe your fire to people? Is it out of control? Is it destroying everything in your life? Is it changing you for good or for bad? Is it producing anything in your life? And then ask yourself... The final question, do you trust the one who's in control of the fire? Because it's not me. I'm not holding a lighter to your hand. I'm not controlling your life. And it's nobody else in your life either. God is in control. That I can promise you. And if you have faith and if you believe in God, Psalms 46 and one says, God is our refuge and our strength, our very present help in times of trouble. God is in control. Matthew 17 and 20 says, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence yonder, and it will remove. Matthew 13 and 32 says, It's the least of all seeds, but the greatest of all herbs. Did you know that a mustard seed is the size of a ball and a ballpoint pen Yay, big. You can't even see that from where you're at. I can barely see it, and it's right in front of my face. The ball in a ballpoint pen It's 1 20th of an inch in diameter. It's small. It's like literally a grain of sand. And yet, when you plant it, in some places under the right conditions, it can grow to be 10 to 15 feet tall. 10 to 15 feet in diameter. It doesn't turn into a tree, but it's an herb. I have herbs in my garden right now that I think are enormous, and they're up to my knee, you know, and blooming and going crazy all over the place, and they're as wide as they are tall. Could you imagine an herb that's 15 feet across? That's two of my wingspan. And just that high? That's enormous. And it all comes from something that's the size of a ball and a ballpoint pen, a grain of sand. So you see, whenever God is talking about grain, uh, faith as a grain of mustard seed, right? He's not always talking about size, right? Faith is very potent. It can transform a situation, and it can change and alter, and it can spread very quickly, so whenever you go through these situations in your life, and you're examining the fires around you, because we all have them, we're all in a room, and there's fires all around. And sometimes it seems like there's no way out, and nobody has any control, and you don't know what you're going to do, and you're dialing 911 every 30 seconds, trying to ask somebody to help you. Right? But God is in control. He's in control of the fires in your life. He's in control of the fires in your spirit, and he can help you. All you have to have is grain of faith. One grain of faith. And everything can change for the better. Everything can be transformed. And sometimes the situation doesn't change. It's just your perspective. What is your fire producing? How do you describe your fire to people? And do you trust in God? If you would, just take a moment with me. Let's bow our heads and let's pray just for a moment. To ask God to help us. Lord, we ask you to help us here this morning. Lord, help us to show us the fire in our lives. Lord, the situations, the circumstances that we can't seem to control that are out of our hands. Lord, we ask you to help us to examine our own lives. Lord, to examine our situations. Lord, and to help us to, to understand, do we really and truly trust you? What is our fire doing in our lives? Are we using it in the right way? Is it producing anything for us, Lord, Lord, we ask you to help us to trust you in all things, in all situations and circumstances. And we ask you, Lord, to move in this place here this morning. Lord, to bury this in our hearts so next time that we're in a situation that we can't understand or control. Lord, that we trust in you totally, that we believe in all of your power and your glory. And Lord, we remember to magnify you and to praise you and to worship you through all things in our life. In Jesus' name, we pray. Lord, we worship you, and we thank you for the opportunity to come here this morning to learn from your word. In Jesus' name, if you would give the Lord a hand clap of praise. We still have five minutes. You want to say something, Brother Grant, or are you good? All right, well, you get an extra long break this morning. Um, Remember, you have kids upstairs. Um, I know I have to go get mine. So get a drink of water, use the restroom, whatever you need to do before the the 11 o'clock service.